Welcome to episode 37 of the Blues Brothers podcast, the show that discusses all things football and of course Chelsea FC, with questions, debates and discussions created for your viewing pleasure, made by the fans. For the fans, Charlie, we're back and we can finally discuss all things football this week as uh, we had a bit of a touch on the Super League last week with our guest. And I have to say, less than four hours to kick off, I'm very excited with the Real Madrid match, which we will come to. But let's start with that huge must-not-lose, I think we both decided on the live Instagram feed game against West Ham away. Another win, another clean sheet, and Chelsea now in the driving seat to finish top four in the running. Yeah, look, it was a really important victory. I'm, I'd almost say it was a top four six-pointer in terms of um, permutations for finishing in that top four position, particularly given how many games were left and particularly given our, our league form coming into this game. You know, we'd lock, we had a defeat against West Brom, but we then beat Palace and then we had a draw to Brighton. So, you know, we're thinking, well, West Brom, Brighton and Palace, you'd, you'd expect minimum two wins, probably three. And we ended up with one. So, again, and that was frustrating in terms of other teams slipping up, you know, West Ham slipping up at Newcastle, Liverpool had been slipping up recent weeks as well, and Leicester as well, you know, and we just didn't take any advantage of it. So it was really important that, that we that we did win this game. Um, and, you know, it, 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 I've got to be honest, it wasn't a great game. You know, we, we it was one of those cagey ones. I think I, I, think I predicted a, a one-all and you went with a 2-1. I didn't think there was going to be many goals in it. We were very solid defensively. We didn't give them a lot of opportunities. And in fairness, the first decent move we put together, we end up scoring. Um, it's a nice ball into Werner to begin with, who holds it up on the turn. I think he plays it to Mount, who then plays it out to Chilwell. And then the cutback's there for Werner to put into, into the net. And he, and he finished it nicely, which we haven't said too often about, about Werner um, um, this season. But credit where it's due, it was a nice team move and he, and he put it in. Um, but then we obviously, in the second half, we see the other side to Werner, where from the Mason Mount shot, which Fabianski kind of parries a little bit or flaps at, it's like an open goal. And it's just like, you've got to put those away. So it was, it was just, it was like, it was basically Timo Werner's season in two opportunities there. One he puts in and then one of the easiest ones he misses. And, you know, he's had a lot of those, he's had a lot of glaring misses, like absolute sitters this season that you, that are almost inexcusable to miss for a footballer playing at that level. You could excuse one or two, but he's had at least five, six, maybe seven. But anyway, you know, we we managed to hold on and see that game out. And I thought we played very well. And I know we've touched on it a little bit beforehand, but defensively, we have been absolutely outstanding. And it doesn't seem to matter which um, which players come in, whether it's Christensen coming in, whether Zuma plays, whether Thiago Silva plays, you know. Or, or there's, or there's rotation at the full, in the fullback areas. We seem to be watertight at the back, and I know me and you have been concerned um, in the like in recent weeks about well, we don't really score, we don't seem to score many goals, but because we're so good at the back, we only need to score one goal to win a lot of games. So I know you can't obviously rely on that all the time, but currently one goal seems to be enough for us, and you are confident that if we score we're more than likely going to win the game or we're not going to lose. And it's been 10 clean sheets in our last 14 matches and 16 in 21 since Tuchel took over, which I think is outstanding. I think he's also the first Chelsea manager 
Um, well, definitely the first Chelsea manager. Might also be the first Premier League manager, I think, to be unbeaten in his first 10 away games as well. So really putting some impressive stats together there and some impressive records. But it was a, it was a vital win. And I think a draw like we discussed beforehand, wouldn't have been a disaster, but it would have benefited West Ham far more than it would have benefited us, particularly when you look at the games we've got left. You know, in our last five, we've got, I think we've got Fulham at home after Champions League. Then we've got City away. We've got Arsenal, Leicester and Aston Villa away to play as well. So realistically, it's a tough running for us, whereas West Ham's is a lot more favourable. But I mean, what what did you think of the game? I mean, I, I didn't think a lot, a lot happened really. No, it was another efficient performance, wasn't it? And we we spoke in quite long depth on Instagram on the live feed before about just getting over the line, and I think that's exactly what we did. Um, I thought we were in control of the game for for the majority of it. Um, it was interesting to see the change in goalkeeper for for the for the game, um, particularly after Kepper played so well in the FA Cup match. So I was surprised there, and there'll be implications of perhaps maybe he's resting Kepper for the game tonight or maybe he'll go with Mendy again I'm unsure but really whatever formula he seems to be doing he seems to be keeping clean sheets and exactly as you said there um, just incredible considering as you've mentioned on lots of episodes this is the same back four back five that we had under Lampard where we were leaking goals for fun so he's obviously had a major impact he's obviously worked very hard at Cobham to to get them defensively rigid um and it was mate it was probably it was such a huge game for us I know we always say every game that comes up is like you know the game the biggest game of the season but in terms of our running as you've just said I think when you look at West Ham away on paper regardless of how well they've been playing I think you need to be getting three points um and then I was surprised at how poor West Ham were I don't think they really took the game and it it brings me back to my original point. I think when it when push comes to shove and you get to those last four or five games, you tend to see those bigger sides with their experience come through. And that's exactly what happened in that match. You know, West Ham probably should have gone for it a bit more and said, you know, if you want to get top four, you have to you have to risk a bit. You have to accept that you're playing better opposition, but you have to go for it. And they didn't. They played cautiously. And I think they got caught out by doing that. Um, should we have a bit of fun and discuss the red card? <laughs> Oh, yeah, shit. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the red card. Yeah, look, I mean, I I thought in this day and age, you know, as soon as the ref goes to the screen, the chances are it's going to be a red card or it's going to be a penalty or whatever whatever the decision happens to be. Um, I think with this one, it's very telling that people that have played the game, um, ex-referees, etc., that this one was just completely wrong. in essence, I think Ian Wright said this. Um, he definitely said it on his Twitter, and I think he might have mentioned it on Match of the Day as well. That essentially Valbuena was sent off for kicking the ball. Um, you know, I mean, look, we've not played at the highest level. We've played school football and maybe a few club matches. So we're like, look, it's, we're not. We can't sit here and say, oh yeah, we know what it's like to to kick a ball at full force, and oh, you should be able to control your leg. Look, under, look when you pause something and you pause the pitch, the pitch, the image at him on his calf. It looks like a horrendous tackle. But actually, if you watch the proper thing, he's just, he's kicked it. And he, he's like, he tried, he's brought his leg down and it's gone on his calf. And like, you know, no one made a fuss of it at all. You know, some, you know, when, you know, you've, we've seen it in the past and in many games, when there's been a bad foul on the pitch, all the players run over or they gather around the ref and stuff. There was nothing in this at all. 
There was no reaction from the Chelsea players. There was no reaction from the West Ham players. And yeah, I thought it was a shocking decision. And it's another another VAR thing. We every week we seem to be talking about VAR in the Premier League. Why why can we not do it properly, but everywhere else can? But I mean that's a separate conversation. But yeah, for me, it was a shocking decision. At at worst, it's a booking um, for me. Um, but I I I know that you 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 think differently. You must be one of the few that thinks differently on this one. Well, I think regardless of whether you look at it as as intent or accidental, it it's put. It's put Chilwell into danger. I, I I generally think that 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 has caused harm to an opponent that's quite excessive to me. I mean, if I mean if you're playing a game of football and you get a full planted, you know, facing of studs in your back leg, regardless of someone's just coming from the follow through or not, that isn't that endangering an opponent? Isn't that part of the letter of the law? This hasn't it endangered Chilwell. I mean, but, Chilwell was making a fuss of it. N- no, but in fairness, he's not out. He's not. It's not reckless. It's not like he's steamed in. I don't think I don't think it is reckless at all. Um, reckless is if he's out of control, and I don't think that was out of control. It's not like he's jumped in two footed or something like that, or he's ploughed into him from behind. It's look, it's the follow through, and it's, it goes back to these other bits, you know, like running action where you just fend someone off. Like it's it's I think it, it's it, it's similar to that. You wouldn't want to see a goal like someone sent off for or booked for, you know holding, spending someone off, just have the the arm out there just to see where where they're at. So I think with this one, we've just the Premier League's just shot themselves in the foot again with another really poor decision. But I mean, to be honest, yes, it's a poor decision, but at least it didn't end up altering the um the outcome of the game. West Ham didn't lose this game because of that red card and we didn't win the game because of the red card. We won because we were better on the day. So luckily the decision's not cost either team anything. Um, but I'd be very surprised if that wasn't rescinded. I don't know if they've, they've I, haven't, I've, I haven't looked if they've appealed it or not, but I'd be surprised if that wasn't overturned. Mm, that stayed quite uh, tame, actually. I was expecting a bit more heated, but we definitely do disagree. On um, <laughs> I just want, I, I just wanted to touch on one other thing. Um, Kai Havertz is not really featured in the last last few games. Um, do you think that's just just a fallen foul of Tuchel's rotation? Because he he was pretty good against um, against Crystal Palace, one of his best games, and he's not really featured much since. Yeah, I guess so. I am surprised because he's just started to kind of hit a nice patch of form where I definitely see the change in his, um, you know, his aura in, in games. Definitely, um, just seems a bit more alive. So I think it is exactly as you say. I think it's you know he's subject of, unfortunately, a manager who likes to chop and change and probably depending on opponents um, and whether we're home and away, it probably does uh, impact the starting eleven, And I think that's just how it goes. Uh, interesting that he brought Tammy on as well in that last couple of minutes. As yeah, well. I was going to say, I was going to say, you must be, you must be happy that your, that your mate Tammy got a few minutes at the end there. Mate, again, he should have probably netted one as well. He, he actually missed it, which was unbelievable. I can't, I can't believe he missed that. But, um, yeah, that was a, that was a poor miss. But luckily, it didn't cost us. I think it's fair to say that he's definitely. Well, I actually looked at a. Um, there was a figure that was on Sky Sports of the the players that have um, had influence pre and post Frank and Tammy's had the biggest percentage of change in terms of the amount of involvement he had with Frank Lampard compared to now under Tuchel. I mean, literally non-existent in squads uh, when he was pretty much one of the first names on the team sheet in Frank's eleven. So. 
yeah, I think we've we've touched on this. I think it's fair to say that he's probably now surplus to requirements for for Thomas Tuchel and Stamford Bridge. Um, but well, I think I think he could end up so ironically. I think he could end up somewhere like West Ham, and he probably do quite well. Mm. Listen, I think he's a. I think he is a good. Um, look, I've 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 praised uh, Tammy Abraham on this on this show, um, and I I am a I am a fan because I think. You know, I know, I I get your argument about well, why why do we always you know boast about the English players and why do we always you know give that you know if you if you're good enough you get in the team. But I think there is an element, particularly with everything that's happened with this Super League, I think it is really is important to remember that this is this is you know this is English football that we're talking about, and we do need to support those players that come through the youth system as much as possible because otherwise, then what what are we ty- what are we trying to achieve with all the investment that we put in place with the youth systems and the reserve teams and everything else um you know there's rules oh no yeah i yeah i fully, I fully agree with that but i just think it's if if they're good enough they'll play i don't think we should just be for the sake of it because they're from the academy when they're if they're not good enough we shouldn't be giving them a chance like if you've had a chance tammy's had a, a, a can, large chance but can you make that argument but, with how paul Werner's played though yeah, you can, but this is—it's an interesting point actually because Werner's yes, it, it's highlighted more because of the money and obviously because of how good a player he's shown he can be. Um, but I, I think that Werner—I was listening to an interesting debate. I can't remember where it was about whether he's whether Werner has been a flop this season or not. And I think if you're purely looking at goal scoring, you probably have to—you probably have to say yes. But actually. When you break it down, and I know you can't judge everything on numbers, he's actually had quite a lot of goal contributions. And he has, in, in big games, he has made significant contributions, whether that's, well, not that often popping up with a goal, but like, you know, running the channels, getting in behind, creating chances and assisting goals. He has done quite well in, in, in that respect. But I mean, if I, was, if, you, if I was pushed on, oh, has Werner had a good season or not? You probably have to say no. I mean, would you would you agree with that analysis? Yeah, it's it's a very difficult one because I don't think you can bracket it under a yes or no. I think it's more if you're looking at it from a goals perspective. Obviously, it's been a disappointing season because you would expect a player coming in of that caliber for that price tag. You'd expect more, but to be honest, I, I'm like Thomas Tuchel in the sense that I I would have to play him because I just feel like the potential is so great of him putting in a decent performance. And that doesn't necessarily mean that he has to score goals. I think he's the leading, if not the joint assist man in our squad at the moment. So that, that tells a story. I mean, he's so influential. We saw it in the city match, you know, against the best team in the league, possibly the world where they were, they were shit scared of him. Every time he got on the break, you know, okay, the finishing has lacked this season definitely maybe he burns out towards the end maybe it's a I certainly think it's a psychological thing but I would I would label it disappointing but room for improvement one of those classic um you know teacher objectives yeah one 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 for the school report has tried really hard this season but could do better he gets most improved towards the end of the season one of the yeah like like a little c or a b plus (laughs) yeah or like even the minus which makes it even worse um, oh yeah, the B minus, yeah, C minus. Oh, I was going to say, moving on to obviously Real Madrid tonight, semi final, biggest game of the season, our biggest game probably in a long time in Europe, really. Um, whilst we're on Werner, do you think he starts tonight? Yeah, I think he has to start. 
because if I was the opposition team, I would still worry about Chelsea on the counter-attack if Werner's in it. If Werner's not in it, I I really struggle with where the other pace comes from. I know we've got it one mm. side, depending on if he goes for Zayek or Havertz, but he's so vital to that counter-attack. And I don't expect, again, Chelsea to have a lot of the ball tonight. I think it might be quite a cagey affair, but certainly as he scored, hopefully, I mean, I'm not going to speak too soon, but hopefully that ends the goal drought and he now kicks on. I'm not expecting, you know, miracles tonight, but I mean, he did this before where he scored and then he went on a, a goal drought until now. So I just hope to God he doesn't, that goal is not the last goal he scores in another 11, 12 games. But I really think he has to start. I mean, do you agree with that? Yeah, to be honest, I think I think he does have to start. I think um, he's probably, he is one of our most dangerous forward players. I know his finishing and his goals and chance conversion, etc. wouldn't suggest that. But we are a more dangerous team with him in the side because with him playing, that allows us to get in behind and play that ball over the top and play that ball in, in behind. And he is, and he is lethal with, with, with pace. And Real Madrid have got ageing centre-backs it, well, an ageing centre-back in Ramos. Obviously, Varane's quite quick as well, but Ramos is not the quickest. And in the full-back area, I think that's where we can expose them as well. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Werner playing left or right or left 10, right 10, and us trying to expose in behind the full-back. So I, I think for that reason, I think he does have to start. I think Giroud's bang out of favour now. I don't think we'll see him feature at all. Mason Mount's going to obviously play. And it, then it's just going to be a toss-up between Zayec, Havertz and Pulisic. I, 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 I fully expect, I think it will be Christian Pulisic playing. So I, I think it will be Pulisic, Mount and Werner to, in our forward line tonight. And one thing that has come out, I'm sure people are aware who obviously follow football, that there's going to be no um, Mateo Kovacic tonight. He, he misses out. Uh, Havertz and Tony Kroos has passed a late fitness test, so he will be available for Real Madrid. Do you think, do you think Kovacic is a big miss for us? I think so in games like this, but it's hard to say. He reminds me a lot. I'm not going to compare too much, but he reminds me a lot of Balak. I think if you're missing Balak, you realise how big of a miss he is. But when he's playing, you don't necessarily see it as much um, of the work he does. So it'll be interesting to see how we do without him tonight. But well, I think yeah, I think we've got we've got ample quality in obviously Kante, and as much as we have criticised Jorginho in the past, and rightly so. Since Tuchel come in, he's been one of our best players, pretty much. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I, I can't say that I'm too concerned going in with a with a with a, a midfield two of Kante and and uh, Jorginho. I don't think it's going to be a game defining problem by not having Kovacic. Um, the goalkeeping situation is interesting. Um, I fully, to be honest, I'd be very very surprised if Kepa played. I think the only Champions League game Kepa's played was the dead rubber group match at at the bridge against Krasnodar and we'd already qualified. I'd be very surprised if in this stage of the tournament and for this calibre of match, he, he were to appear. And the only other real big decisions is, I think the fullbacks pick themselves. I think Ben Chilwell will definitely play, I'd, I would expect. The only other big decision I think is does he go with Reese James or does he play Aspilicueta at right wing back and bring in a, another centre half into the back three? What, what do you reckon? I think for a game like this, I'd go. I'd go Aspilicueta. I think he's been good form recently. 
um, and he's got that experience. Again, I think if you're looking from an opposition's point of view and the strike force that they've got, I'd rather have someone who's been there and done it than a Reese James who's still, in my opinion, can be risky. Um, he's a bit suspect defensively still, isn't he, really? Then, you know, then we lose that that power going forward, that delivery. Um, and it's just, I just, it depends how Tuchel's going to go for it, whether he's going to say, well, this tie is going to be won or lost in this first leg or whether we play cautious and try and get some sort of a result or a draw and keep a clean sheet. That's the biggest question. I... So for you, so for you, you'd go Aspilicueta right wing back. Who would you bring in as the third centre half? Then would you have Christensen or Zuma to go with Rudiger and Thiago Silva? Oh God, I don't, I don't trust either of them to be honest with you. Um, I think, God, that is a difficult one. Um, I mean, I, I, I mean, I presume we both think that Thiago Silva is going to play. Yeah, he probably does. Yeah, I, I think if it, if it was between, if you're asking me the question, so if you're asking me Zuma or Christiansen, I would probably go for Christiansen just um, on the base yeah, of the season. But the thing is, they both offer when they're on form. They both offer so much, but then they're both. I think it was Zuma. Even then, I don't know if it was the West Ham match where he kind of it was in the bright. It was in the Brighton match yeah. where Zuma gave the ball away at oh. the back, and they were pretty much clean through on goal. But they both do that, so it's like. You get shot in the foot. What, what, what pick? I mean, to be fair, I think I think Christensen is probably better defensively, but in the opposition box from set pieces and stuff, Zuma is much more of a goal threat than Christensen is. Yeah, there's an interesting stat actually. I think Zuma's got the most goals from us at the back, and from and obviously we've scored the most goals from set plays, not in Champions League, but in terms of the Premier League season. So I think Zuma. And I think, and I think, goals. and I think, I think Tuchel is the kind of manager who looks at little things like that. Yeah. You know, I remember a game against Sheffield United where he took Ben Chilwell off and put Alonso on because they were lacking height in defending set pieces. So I think he's the, I think he's a manager that looks at details like that. So, I mean, I'd probably go with Christensen, but I wouldn't be surprised for his prowess from set plays if, if he did end up, end up going with Zuma. Yeah, it's a really good point because it's probably going to be where we have to take advantage of those little margins because we're not going to be favourites. They're going to have a majority. Do you, do you think we have to score tonight to have a chance of going through? Uh, I was speaking to my brother actually um, a couple of hours ago. I don't think we have to score, but I feel we can't obviously afford to have a first half like Liverpool did. We can't allow them to get running early and getting away with things. Um, it's a really difficult one, isn't it? I feel like a score draw, a one-all for me would be a great result because I think going to Stamford Bridge, knowing how good we are at the back, I don't. I think knowing going into a game where we, we don't have to win and keep a clean sheet, I think that's the ideal scenario. I think if we ha- end up having to chase the game and score, like you said, more than a goal, I think it, it becomes very, very difficult. But- you know, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think... Nil-nil. We can get it to the... Nil-nil... People think nil-nil is a good result for the away side, right? But I think I disagree with that because if we get nil-nil, go back to the bridge and Real Madrid score, we've got to score two. Yeah. So I think nil-nil, whilst it seems like a good result away from home, if you were to concede, you then got to score two. I don't think nil-nil is a result tonight, personally. I don't don't really think nil-nil is a great result either. I think, but I, I agree with you in the fact that we 
we need to be in the tie. If if we if we are if we are a goal down, whether that be one nil, two one, or whatever it is, it, I think if we go into the second leg only needing to overturn a one goal deficit, we're banging it. Anything more? If we need two goals plus, I think you can forget it. Um, do you think? Um, interestingly enough, I know Eden Hazard has been injured a lot recently. Um, pretty much his whole Madrid career has been played by injuries. But, you know, just our luck, he seems to be back fit again and is in the squad. Wouldn't it just be typical if he popped up with a goal against us tonight? I mean, he's he's just he's just incredible. I mean, it's the thing is, he could just play shit for however long and just pop up with something brilliant. I mean, that's the that's the quality of player he is. And I, it, it scared me earlier in the week. I was just scrolling through Instagram and saw Real Madrid put up this thing of them doing training and Hazard just banging them in left, right and centre. I mean, it, it just scares me. I mean, I know all professional players can do that, but he's one of the players that I desperately wish that never left. But for personal reasons, obviously he felt like his time at Stamford Bridge was up. He, he was a great servant, been there for, you know, seven, eight years. Um, you know, other than the Champions League, won it all. So you can't, you can't. I mean, I think we, I think we got the best years out of him anyway. Yeah. Going on his Madrid career so far, I think we got the best years out of him. Um, I mean, he might, he could, he could well come good at Madrid, but on current evidence, we definitely got the best years out of him, and we got a really good deal for him as well. So I think it was, I think we did really well with that, with with that piece of business. Um, I know, I know, we've touched on on the midfield before, but do you do you think that we're going to get overrun in midfield by Kroos, Modric and Casemiro. Do you think that's a problem, that three up against R2? Yeah, that's that's what worries me most because I think if Real Madrid, you know, turn up the heat and they start pinging it around with a bit of confidence, I think we, we then get found out about this, this whole notion of it being a step too far for us. Um, not that we haven't been there before. I mean, we, we went to the new camp you know, needing two goals um, against one of the best Barcelona sides, and we got we did get completely outrun in every department, but we found a way. So, in a game of football, it doesn't matter if they dominate as long as we make the margins count. Um, but I don't expect anything less. I think they will. But what what I really want to see from the boys tonight is just like everyone said. You know, we we saw it with the Spurs Cup final, which we'll go into in a minute. We we saw it with Liverpool in that first half in the Champions League, like. Just go for it because, yes, it's two legs. But if you start trying to play a chess match with a side like Real Madrid and it goes horribly wrong, you've only got yourself to blame. Whereas we, you know, if we have a bit of confidence in the ball and believe that we're there by merit and we're there on right and we're just as good as them, which we are, we can beat Real Madrid. You know, I want to see Mount taking on the ball and travelling with it. I want to see Werner running at pace against Varane and Ramos. I want to see... I just don't want to see us approach the game. I want to see us approach the game like we did against Manchester City in the FA Cup. Exactly. Mm, yeah. They can have the ball, but as soon as we have it, we've got a, we've got a very precise plan. We know what we're going to do and we go for it. We don't we don't hold back. We don't think, "Oh, shall I just we're on a break and then we ch- we check back because we think, "Oh, it's t- it's too risky." You know, it's just bollocks. At this stage of the, the tournament, you need to take risks. Yeah, no. I I I agree. I do agree with that. I think I think it's obvious we're probably not going to have as much of the ball as they do. We've touched on that midfield three, Cruz and Modric, two of the best midfielders at keeping the ball. So I don't think we're going to have a lot of the ball. I expect them to have more possession than us. But what is vital for us is that when we get the ball, we don't then give it away really cheaply. You know, we we build we build some passes, we play it around a little bit, we try and play in behind, play through the lines and make the most of our possession when we get it. Because there's nothing worse than playing a side where 
you're not going to have the ball that much. And then as soon as you get it back, you give it away straight away and then you're chasing it again because that's just, that's just knackering. And it's quite, it's quite deflating as well from a player's perspective. So I think, look, as you said, we don't want to sit back and invite the pressure onto ourselves, but likewise, we've got, we've got two legs to, to, to get this done. So we don't want to go mad and try and get the job done in the first leg. But I think we need to, we do need to go for it a bit because it's dangerous to sit back against a side of that quality as well. So it's finding that happy balance really between the two. But I mean, last thing on this, what score prediction, what are you, what are your thoughts on tonight? Are we getting a goal or not? Mate, I've probably changed my prediction four or five times um, in the space of the last couple of weeks. I've been, I can't wait for, I honestly cannot wait for this match. I think, you know, it's the first time I've been excited in terms of a Chelsea match for a long time. Um, ooh, I think it's going to be a very cagey affair. I'm, I'm going to go goalless draw. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a goalless draw, but it's so important that, as you mentioned earlier, we don't go there and have a shocking first half like Liverpool did. We don't we don't get going and we end up like 2-0 down in the first half an hour because that almost is game over already. So, I mean, I think we will, I do think we we're capable of scoring tonight. I'm going to I'm going to go with a one-all draw. I think I think they probably will get one, but I think we've equally we've definitely got the players and we're playing well enough to to nick a goal. So, I'm, I'm going to go with a 1-1 one, one draw. Mm, difficult one. I'm going to go with. I mean, this might sound ridiculous, but I reckon Timo might come up trumps tonight with a, with a with a goal. I don't care how it goes, and I don't care if it comes off his knee or he puts it in with his nose or whatever. As long as he, as long as it goes in, I've just got a feeling he he might slot one tonight. How about that, Timo Werner in a one-all draw? I take that all day long. Let's hope Charlie's right on that one. And we have got a very interesting guest that's going to join us in between the two legs. Um, who's got um. Very good Real Madrid connections, so um, please stay tuned for that. But let let what, what do you want to discuss next, Charlie? Do you want to go on to the League Cup final? Should we do that? Yeah, we might. Yeah, let, let's touch on that first first trophy of the season, done and dusted now. And you know, four four in a row now. They just they might as well rename it the Manchester the Manchester City Cup because they just seem to win it every year. That's four in a row now. Um, and in fairness, I think. I mean, I, I thought Spurs might have had a chance with them when they sat Mourinho. I thought yeah, they probably got almost no chance now. Um, and yeah, the game panned out pretty much as we expected. I think the only thing that we didn't expect was it to only be 1-0. I mean, utter dominance from Manchester City. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts on the game? I, yeah, I don't, buy, I don't buy the argument that if they had kept Mourinho that, oh, that's the guarantee that they've got they're going to, you know, do better in the cup because I think when you're playing Manchester City, I think there's there's two factors. One, Mourinho's going to play exactly the same way as Ryan Mason's team did anyway, and I think when you're playing Manchester City, realistically for a team like Spurs, that's the only way that they're going to be able to win. Trying to play on the counter attack, very limited chances, but trying their best to get into that final third if they can. And eventually they just got burned down and run down. It was very disappointing that they conceded from a set piece. I think they'll be annoyed at that considering I think there was only about eight minutes on the clock. Yeah, and the goal eight or ten, about eight, ten minutes left. So, you know, I think you were right when we discussed just off air that 
they were probably just paying for pens, mate. Uh, uh, so probably after the hour mark, they probably thought, right, let's just keep it tight. And we, we've got this. If we just take it to pens, that's our best chance. Because they definitely, definitely took their foot off the gas. Maybe that was just a sign of, um, you know, ex- exhaustion from their point of view, from having to, you know. I mean, was it, was it, even, was it even on the gas? Well, <laughs> I think, you know, Harry, Harry Kane is so central to their whether they perform well or not, and he just wasn't at it. Whether he wasn't fully, fit. he he they he had no touches in the man in the Manchester City box. But notice Harry Kane he had to no, come to get no, Yeah, but no touches, no touches in the box, and he didn't have a single shot. Harry Kane in a cup final, that that is not good enough from from Tottenham. Like I know they're not playing well, and the game plan was was obvious. But could you imagine? If Mourinho was in charge and 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 they turned in that performance, it'd have been absolutely battered. Spurs were shocking. But do you want to see they were, at Mourinho? It would have been a better performance under Mourinho. Uh, yeah, oh, they would have been better. They would have created more chances. I'm I'm almost certain of that. Like the way I look at it is, who would you rather have in charge for that cup final? Would you rather have Jose Mourinho, who is a serial winner and in one-off games, particularly cup finals, can beat anyone? who has beaten Pep Guardiola in a cup final, who has also beaten Manchester City this season, admittedly different circumstances, like or against Ryan Mason, who's been managing the under-18s or whatever he's been doing. Like it's, it's, it, for me, it's a no-brainer. You're giving yourself... You look, they still might have lost, but you're giving yourself a far better chance by going into that cup final with Jose than you are with Ryan Mason. And I, I think it's hard to argue against that. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the whole Harry Kane situation, I mean, it's just come up in front of me. 21 goals in the Premier League this season. And for you to say that he didn't get a shot inside the box. Uh, in a, they didn't get a touch in the box. In, in a final, it, you know, is beyond me. Um, you know, you can say all you like about how good City keep the ball and everything else, but come on. I mean, if this was Didier Drogba or someone else, uh, you know, the difference is, I think Didier Drogba missed a Wembley. Even if he had the one touch in the box, it would be the goal. So... Mm. I mean, same old Spurs, isn't it, Charlie? I mean, we had a quite a heated debate just before we started about the potential new manager after Ryan Mason and, and whether Spurs is actually an attractive proposition for anyone at the moment. I mean, I tend to agree that that squad is still good enough for a top four position, but you think otherwise. Yeah, just before we go on to that, I think it's important that as poor as Spurs were, I think it's important to give credit to Manchester City. Um, they were outstanding um, again, played really well. Thought Riyad Mahrez obviously was man of the match. He was very dangerous. They were very solid, solid at the back. Uh, Diaz and Laporte were. I mean, Laporte arguably was maybe a little bit lucky to be on the pitch, possibly. Um, but again, him and Ruben Diaz at the back were outstanding. Kyle Walker was great going forward. Cancelo was good. I mean, Phil Foden was class. They were just, they were just fantastic. You know, dominating possession, creating chance after chance, not giving Spurs any opportunity to do anything. And this side, it's, it's, it's interesting how we've seen a lot of good pep sides at City over the years, but it's interesting how this one, how they create so many chances and, and have been so dominant this season in domestically and in European football without really playing a number nine. Aguero hasn't featured at all and Jesus doesn't feature that often. So I think it's incredible that they're managing to create this many chances and score as many goals as they do and to win the games they do. With not without having a centre forward at all, whether they go with Mares up there, whether they go Sterling, Foden, Bernardo Silva, 
I just think it's incredible. I don't think we've ever seen anything like it. Yeah, we've seen teams go with a false nine for odd games, but teams going with a false nine, what, pretty much for a whole season, give or take. I mean, it's, 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 just, it's just outstanding. And it's credit to, obviously, Pep's coaching and his training and, and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen it before with a false nine pretty much for a whole season. I mean, Charlie, I know we're huge fans of Mourinho because of what he did at, at Chelsea, obviously, our club. But, I mean, some of the stats before that cup final were ridiculous. You know, 93% of our finals, I think, won. Um, the last final we actually lost was subsequently, I think, that, that Copa del Rey against Jose Mourinho. But do we now have to really hold our hands up and say he is the best manager of all time? I think all time's a bit steep. I think like, he's, he's definitely in the conversation. I think you've got to look at managers like Sir Alex Ferguson. I mean, I know you're not going to see another Sir Alex in terms of length of time at one club because it's not doesn't seem to be the way that modern day football goes to spend that long at, long at a big club. But I think Ferguson is probably still the benchmark for me. But in terms of next on the list, you, you, it'd be hard to argue with, with putting anyone above, above Pep. You know, it's not just the trophies that he's won. It's the football that his teams play as well and how he reinvents those teams also. Because this Manchester City is different to the Manchester City that won the league last time with 100 plus points. They had a poor season last year and they, he's reinvented that side and gone again. And arguably, they're playing better football than than they did when they last won the league. Um, I think it's also what he's done for the game as well. The way he, as I said, the way he plays, how he's transformed people's thinking, how high up the, the fullbacks push and how they almost go into midfield as well. You know, false nine playing, not really playing with a centre forward. I mean, yeah, he, he's up there as, as one of the best of all time. He's certainly in the, in, in, in the top three for me. Whether he's the best is, again, that's open for debate. But I think Ferguson, for obvious reasons, is, for me, is probably my top choice. Fergie's your top choice. Yeah, I was just about to ask you. I had to push you for an answer to, in terms of your your top three in order. But so Pep. Well, how, well how, how how do you how do you rank him? Do you rank him above Fergie or below? Um, I I rank him above just because I think um, I like the idea of managers doing it at different clubs. That's my only basis for that. I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that that's any easier yeah. or or harder because people will argue well to con- continually go through the transitional periods with one club is hard, like, you know, um, but I mean, yeah, I think, I think it's hard to argue now, even as much as Mourinho fan I is, I think the, the magic in some, some aspects is gone. I think he's a bit dated now. Um, and I think he probably needs to have a serious look at his, his tactics and his approach to football, because I just think it's, it's running away. Um, and, and Pep Guardiola for, for everything that I used to despise, you can't, I mean, everyone says it, you can't, if you love football, you can't not love the way Pep Guardiola plays football. And I think that's fair to say as oh, much. No, of course, 100%. Yeah. So I think he's not, he's number one for me. Um, Mourinho second, Fergie third, <laughs> just because I hate Man United as well. I think, uh, to be fair, I do think Jose isn't, I think Jose is in the top three. I don't think you can, I think people are dis, discounting what he's achieved in his career and are only really looking at Spurs and, and 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 Man United, but if you actually look at it as a whole, some of the things that he's achieved have been outstanding, and the trophies he's won. And people say his teams don't play good football, but actually, first few years at Stamford Bridge, and even the second spell at Stamford Bridge, some of the football we've played, probably some of the best football we've ever seen played by Chelsea. Some of the football his Real Madrid side played when they scored the most goals in in La Liga when they won the league, and they got over a hundred points against one of the best Barcelona sides. Um, 
that winning the Champions League of Inter Milan, that treble that season, telling me that that, that team played crap football. Do me a favour. Like, I think people uh, are, like, are disrespectful to him. Um, and yes, I think it's clear to say that he's not quite what he used to be. And he probably does need to go and reinvent himself and think seriously about what he's what he's going to go and do next in terms of a job. But he's he is, I don't think you'd find anyone that's got half a brain and knows about football that wouldn't have him up there as one of the greatest of all time. Where do people like... Um... Zinedine Zidane and Carlo Ancelotti and, play, and managers like that ranking your... Well, Zidane's too early in his career. He's, he hasn't managed for long enough. Three times... Ancelotti... Okay. Yeah, he is, but he's got, to, he's got to do a bit more. I think he's got to manage for a bit longer. I think he needs to prove himself over a longer period of time. Now, I'm not discrediting his his thing, his achievements, but I think it's a, you can't include him in a greatest of all time conversation. Ancelotti, good manager, very good manager, but I just think... Probably not. I'd probably say he's in the top 10. Top 10. Hmm. Interesting. But yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think it's an interesting debate to have. But I think those three are, I think they're quite obviously the, 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 the three that, you, that you'd go to, probably. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone can debate that. They probably, everyone will have probably a different order. But in terms of the top three, I think it, I mean, people who are going to put Wenger in there are, they can just ignore. Oh no, no chance. No, behave. <laughs> um, I mean, well, we're getting closer and closer to kick off, aren't we? There, are, there are news reporters outside Stamford going through um, the latest updates that I've got right in front of me now. Um, I can see Hazard just uh, that's been training. Um, uh, I mean, as as close and close as it goes, Charlie, this game against Real Madrid. Are you nervous? Yeah, I'm quite nervous about this one. I think you touched on it. Obviously, I was really excited about the Manchester City semi-final, but like in terms of excitement and calibre of game, particularly in Europe and on the world stage, I haven't been this excited slash nervous for a Chelsea game in a long time. I think it's got a lot riding on it, and it's got it's got big permutations going into next season for us as well. Um, so yeah, no, it's 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 a massive game. But yeah, sorry, sorry, man, just completely didn't answer that question. We obviously got side. We went on to City a bit. Um, Spurs manager yes. next job next yeah job. it's a tough one I mean me and you slightly differ on this like do you think Spurs is a big job still in terms of calibre of job out there is it a big job to get <sighs> yes I put it in the way that I said to you you know if a, if a message popped up in your inbox and it said you know the Spurs job is open and you're a football manager you can't you can't ignore opening it. You have to have a look. You know, I think it's one of those that's got the potential, but for whatever reason, they've got a psychological uh, mist over their eyes. Or I don't know, maybe people just look at the, the two or three quality players that they have and think that's enough when actually the rest of the squad, if you took those out, is very average. But I don't agree with that still. I still think they've got, I still think they've got quality all over the pitch. And for me, I, I do though. I honestly do. Like, if you look at the other Premier League teams, they should be sitting above, you know, 14 of those teams, they should be above with the team, that, the squad that they've got. You know, Bale, Mora, Song, Kane, Loris. Like, they've got some quality players there that have played at the very top level, um, you know, have won things for other, for, you know, national sides. It's, I find it, 
it is a very difficult job. I'm not getting away from that at all. There's no, you know, I don't understand really their model in terms of what they're trying to achieve because we know that Daniel Levy is, he's an accountant, you know, he's about money. He's about making profit. I think, yes, he wants, you know, for anyone who wants documentary, he wants Spurs to take it to that next level um, and, and win a trophy. But that, are we a bit harsh on Spurs because they're competing? You know, you see the same teams in finals all the time. You know, the Chelsea's, your Cities, your Liverpool's. I mean, can anyone really compete against those teams anyway? Mm, it's it, it's a tough one. I mean, in terms of if it's a big job or not, I think if you look at it from a manager's perspective, like yeah, look, it's a it's look great stadium. Gets like London life, which is which is quite big for a lot of these these people. Then outside of that, like there's a possibility that a next manager possibly won't have Harry Kane. And you look at it and you think, well, they're quite a long way from challenging from the top four. Their squad needs a massive overhaul. There's complete lack of quality in there all over the pitch. Massively. Apart from Kane and Son, and Bale's on loan, he probably won't be there next year. Uh, Moore is not bad. Like, Outside of the attacking areas, the lack of quality in defence, goalkeeper, and midfield is terrible. So how bad. bad. Like how bad? Uh, pretty bad. Bad. Bad in the terms that none of those players are getting the teams above them. Okay. And I, I don't think you can. I, don't, I mean, possibly actually, in fairness, and Dombele is is pretty talented. Boy, he showed glimpses this season. I think he'd probably get in a few teams above. But otherwise, mate, no, those players aren't getting in any of those sides above them. So what's a bigger job? Leicester, West Ham or Spurs? Currently. Well, in, in general. I mean, if you had emails that, you know... you Oh, over, oh, oh, of, oh if you look at it oh, over the years, then you'd say that Spurs was a bigger job, like was a more glamorous job than Leicester or West Ham. But in the last few years, Leicester is a bigger job than Spurs based on the last few years. I don't think you can argue with that. Mm. Uh, well, I do because I, I I think if if I had two no, but pure no, but purely based on the last few years mm. in terms of how well Brendan Rodgers done at Leicester, uh, fifth place, prob- they're in the FA Cup final this year, um, and they're probably going to qualify for the Champions League. Leicester is a is a bigger job than Spurs in terms of current situation. Well, they're in, a, they're in a better situation, but does that make it a, does that make it a bigger job? I mean, Arsenal people would argue is a big job, but they're in they're in ninth. So, I mean, form is temporary, class is permanent, right? You need to look at the history of a club. Like, but yes, Spurs have got no class. Yeah, okay, but Leicester have won the Premier League, granted, but you take that away, that then are they as big a club as, as? I mean, Tottenham have always been considered one of the the bigger clubs well if you're looking at the, if you're looking at the history Leicester's probably got a bigger a bigger history of winning stuff than Spurs oh do. yeah yeah they do but you know um I, I just think I just think it's a difficult one I think like it's a it's a it's a Premier League job and it's a it's a club that should be doing a lot better than it is but when you actually look at it there's a lot that needs to be that needs to be sorted out you know yeah it's got a great stadium other than that it's not a team that wins trophies. It's not a team that's anywhere near the top four, really, at the moment. And it's a team that could be about to lose its best player and a squad that needs massive overhauling. So you look at it and you think, 
that's a big to do list for who for whoever comes in next. I mean, who is that? Who do you? Th- well, that was about to ask you. Normally, you sort of have a bit of an idea about who might come in when certain jobs become available. But you look at it and you think, well, they they did want Nagelsmann. I think they, there was room. There was like sort of reports, rumors about that. Obviously, he's gone to Bayern Munich. That's now been confirmed. He'll be starting there next season. You look at it and you think, well, who could Spurs actually realistically get? You, you go, you go to the you go to the managers out of work first. So out of work managers at the top of my head: Allegri, Maurizio Sarri, Eddie Howe, probably not. But Sarri, Maurizio Sarri is a possibility, as is Allegri potentially. When you look at managers in work, um, I mean, the big one would be Brendan Rodgers. I know you think that they might go for him. They they may well try and go for him, but I don't think he'd go to Spurs, purely based on the fact that he's building something good at Leicester. Leicester are in a much better position than than Spurs are. And they'll probably have Champions League football next season. It's another adventure to push on. And I think Brendan can get a better job than Spurs anyway, if he waits a bit longer. Um, otherwise, you're looking at managers that I've heard talked about, like Hassan Hootel at Southampton and possibly Nuno at Wolves. I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I'm not really sure who it's going to be. Well, I'll throw some out there that Sky Bet seem to think. Um, you've got bottom. Yeah. Left, you've got Eddie Howe in the conversation. Mm-hmm. So is Rafa Benitez. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan Mason to take permanent charge. Twelve to oh, one, mate. No way. Uh, two, two that are also in here are uh, Scott Parker and Graham Potter, mm. Brendan Rogers, Maurizio Sarri, Nuno Espirito Santo. Could be a potential shout. Who, who's the favourite at the moment? Eric Ten Hag. Eric Ten Hag. Oh, the Ajax manager. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a possibility no, no. as well. But, but I mean, that's a possibility as well. But the thing, the thing is now, this has got to the point for Spurs. Last thing on this is that this next appointment really needs to be right. It's got to be someone, they got. They, they need sort of a young, exciting manager or someone with a lot of experience that is going to come in and that person needs probably three or four seasons to get rid of the, the dead wood, bring in his own players and imprint that identity. Now, is that person going to get that? It, it's, it's hard to tell, but this next appointment is really crucial for Spurs because otherwise they could be set in for a, a a big rock for a number of years. I mean, what about if I was throwing a net... Who? Gareth Southgate. I don't know if he'd go back to club management or not. It's, I, I'm not I'm not really sure. I, I don't really know. But, I mean, I, I, if, I, if, I was pushing, if I was pushed for a name, it would be a toss-up between probably Eric Ten Hag from Ajax and maybe Nuno from Wolves. What about you? If you had to just have a stab in the dark... Well, my, my my the reason why I said Gareth Southgate is I could, I probably think he'll he'll do the Euros depending on how well he does he might step down. Brendan Rodgers will then take that position. So then you've got two clubs that are potentially open um, for Gareth Southgate if he wanted to get into club management. Um, other than that, I I would like to see Eddie Howe come back. I think they need a bit of excitement in the club. Um, you know, go back to basics. Play some nice football. Just just get that good feel factor back, and I think Eddie Howe can do that. And I think it would be nice. So you're going. So you're going for Eddie Howe to be Spurs gaffer next season. Well, what in terms? Of, do you want my? Uh, do you want my personal preference? Your your no your actual uh, your actual opinion on who you think it's going to be. Um, Allegri. Let's go, Allegri. All right. Let's see. Let's see how that one plays out. Yeah, let's see that. But yeah, I think 
yeah, so we'll move on to the questions now. Then, as always, thanks for thanks for sending those in. We have briefly touched on this. What are your thoughts on Nagelsmann going to Bayern Munich? Yeah, I mean, you called that one, mate. I know it was not much of a secret to a lot of other people who follow football, but um, seems like the perfect fit, doesn't it, really? Um, it seems to be the way that the German league tends to do business. You know, they they stick with their own. And um, I, I, to be honest, anyone who gets the Bayern Munich job tends to be a success. I'm not particularly, you know, it's very hard for them not to to, to achieve things regardless of what manager they, they appoint. But I think, I think in all... It, you know, all in all, I think it is a, a decent fit. Um, you know, he's done a wonderful job, and I think he deserves his chance. And I said, he, he you know, he said himself, he was, he, it was too, too good of an opportunity to turn down. What do you think of the fact that he's going to end up costing more than Erling Haaland did to Dortmund? Yeah. He's going to end up costing about twenty-five to thirty million euros to get him. That was surprising, but then as soon as you you messaged me that and said that that's what the case, I knew that that wasn't going to be a factor at all in in terms no. of stopping the move. So. In that in that sense, no. I think they wanted that they wanted him, and he wanted to go. And yeah, yeah. Look, I, I think it's a great move for him. A really exciting manager who's done very very well at Leipzig. Really put them back on the map in terms of challenging for the for the for the league title. Bit of a force in in Europe as well. The only thing I will say about this is that I just think Bayern have just got all the power in the German league. They literally sign the best players from their from their closest rivals and then they rob their best manager as well. I just think it makes a bit of a mockery of the competitiveness of the league. Like realistically, the the, the German league just turning into one of them, a bit like France. I know there's a title race in France this year, but you're looking at it and Bayern Munich, nine times out of ten will win the will win the Bundesliga. Easy. And there'll be there'll be there'll be one season in ten where it doesn't quite go right and someone else will win it, like when Monaco won with the French League that year. But generally speaking, Bayern are just going to win the league every year and they just get the best players from their closest rivals as well. So I just think it just makes a little bit of a mockery of the competitiveness of the Bundesliga, really, in my opinion. Um, right, next one then. Obviously, uh, newly new this week, Premier League Hall of Fame. We saw Alan Shearer and Thierry Henry inducted in. Who do you think deserves to be inducted into the Hall of Fame? Like the next two, if you're going for the next two into the Hall of Fame. Oh, God, I wish I had more preparation for that question. It's a cracking question. <laughs> um, well, I think John Terry has to be in there. Yeah, I was going to say him as well. I think I, I think Lampard would have to be, would have to be considered yeah. as well. Yeah. Lampard and Gerrard would probably be next on the list, wouldn't they? Um, you, well, whether they're working front to back or whether it's just random, I don't know. But you'd have to say those. I mean, um, Ferdinand would probably be in there. Um, well, I mean, even even players like Patrick Vieira and Roy Keane. I mean, and Paul yeah. Scholes as well. Scholes. Like it's it, there's a lot of top what, top what, players over. What strikers, would you put in there? I think they've already done the strikers, haven't they? Is there only two? Oh, I, I, I'm not sure. I think Drogba's been nominated as well. Omri, Again, that's me, Drogba. Omri's in. Um, who else would you put? Rooney. Rooney's got to go in, surely. Yeah, Ro- Rooney must. Rooney should, should be in with a shout. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting question. I'll probably say next. Two, I mean, uh, next two that will be in. I mean, I think it'll probably be if they're going midfielders, for example. Let's just presume they're going for midfielders. You probably have to say it'll be Lampard in there, and then maybe Gerrard or. Or skulls, maybe it's a tough one. Depends what you categorise under like Premier League mm. legend, because you could, you know, obviously players like Aguero, but then you think 
well, would you have players that are a bit more they're you know known for their character like an Eric Cantona like there's yeah Cantona's in there but there is a I mean I haven't got it to hand but there is a list of players that have been nominated for it so there's only a certain there's there's only a certain uh list uh players that can be put in there's like a a nominations list um but yeah I'd have to say Lampard or Terry or I I I think those two would, would have to be in it yeah certainly Chelsea ones yeah um, this is an interesting one. How far away do you think we are from having a more competitive title race in the Premier League? Obviously, last season, Liverpool ran away of it. City running away of it this season. City looked like they're probably going to dominate for a few more years. Do you think we're... How far away do you think we are from a, having a realistic title race in the Premier League? It's a shame because on reflection of this season, you'd probably say that there was a good opportunity this season. I mean, you say City have run away with it, but they've only got 77 points. That's not great hmm. for us. You know they 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 have dropped a lot of points this season. I mean, be it that they they've been working pretty much at, at a canter this whole season because they were so far in front. Um, but uh, you know we've got um, you know you actually said before we went on the show. You know if we had Thomas Tuchel before the season started, questionably you could have said that we could have had a, a title race on right now. Um, if you go on form since he's been here, I still think we're a, we're a bit of a way off. Mm. Um, you know, we've we've alluded to several times. I mean, the lack of a striker that scores, you know, regularly. I think that's that's critical. Or even just any player that gets double digits. I mean, we need that, whether they be from midfield or up front. I, I'd probably say two years, two years, and then we can think about it. Yeah, I probably I probably think maybe two to three years. I also think it depends how long Pep stays at Manchester City for. Mm. I think when he eventually decides to leave, I I wouldn't be if City were to win the Champions League this season. I think he might leave. There'd be nothing else for him to achieve. And I'm going to say something ridiculous now, which might which could be some on. sort of genius, or it could just be completely backfire. I'm going to say it now that if City win the Champions League and Pirlo gets sacked at Juve, Pep will be at Juve next season. Bloody hell, that is ridiculous. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just, put, I'm just putting that out there. What, he's going to go and play Europa League football next season, is he? Mm, Currently, maybe. maybe. Wow. Possibly. Um, Bloody hell. Next one. <laughs> Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about Kane's future at Spurs and whether he should go. Is it also time for Son to reconsider his future at Spurs? Well, that's why I told you, mate. I mean, if I was Song and I was hearing whispers about, you know, my teammate who I link up with very well and is our best player going to sack it in and throw in the towel, I'd be I'd be the next person knocking on the manager's door and saying, or the board member's door and saying, look, I, I'm out as well. Because I just don't see, I mean, even just psychologically, how much of a, you know, going into pre-season knowing that Harry Kane's not going to be there, you can almost take away another 15, 20 points. I mean, it's, it's. I don't know, but then I think it will be a domino effect, like you said. They, they, they've got, you know, in your opinion, they've got a lot of squad issues that they need to address. So it's not just a case of one player. Um, but even if they use that money to replace players in the squad, it's still not going to be as good without Kane, is it? No, it won't be. I think. I, I think Son will be at Spurs next year, but I think in the next two years he will probably leave. I think it. There's a lot of teams that would take him. And if he wants to win stuff and he's ambitious, then I think he should look to leave. But if Kane were to leave, I wonder if Son would relish the the option of perhaps being captain and 
being the main man. I, I'm, I'm not really sure. But yeah, if, it, if I was him, I'd be definitely looking at leaving in the next year or two. Interesting one. Where do you think Jesse Lingard will be playing his football next season? Um, I'd probably say West Ham, mate. Just because I think David Moyes would be very keen to, to get him down on a permanent deal. Um, maybe there's a mutual respect there where Jesse Lingard, you know, because he's been playing so well, will probably like to to stay there because he's been given a chance under a manager who gave him a chance. Um, and I think he still needs to have that. Well, I'm not uh, saying a, a drop down club's a bad word because I mean they're still going for for Champions League football, but. I think if West Ham made Champions League football, that would almost be a no-brainer to stay at West Ham. If they didn't, it depends what the players' preference is. I mean, some players are just so like driven to like have to play Champions League football where he'd probably just go back. But I don't know. I'd probably say West Ham. I think Lingard's one of those that needs to be playing football every week yeah. for him to for him to to be ple- to, for him to play well. I think it's the same for a lot of players, but he's one of those that needs to play every week. At Manchester United, he's not going to play every week. You know, if he can accept if he can accept that and he's going to play a few cup games and he's going to get half hour, 20 minutes here and there, then he'd probably stay at United. But so if West Ham qualify for Champions League or if someone else comes in for him, he's going to play every week, I think he'll go elsewhere. Um but yeah, I, I I'm going with you. I think he'll be at, I think he'll be at West Ham next season. Yeah. Um, we've already touched on this one. Is Pep the greatest coach of all time? We've we've done that. Um, will we've kind of touched on this as well? But will Manchester City's lack of a number nine affect their chances against PSG? No, I think they've got enough quality all over the pitch. Um, you know, Sterling, De Bruyne, um, Mares. I mean, there's there's. They score goals from all over the pitch. I mean, they, they've just won a cup final with their centre-half scoring. So I don't think it's an issue for them. Um, the issue is they're coming up against a side that's equally got just as much firepower at, at the front line. Um, so it's probably going to be more down to who's better defensively rather than, the, you know, they're probably just going to try and outscore each other. And it's going to be a bit of a goal fest, I would imagine. Um and I don't. I still don't really know who's going to come on top in that in that two legged tie. To be honest with you, but I, I'll stick with City. But I, I think PSG, yeah. I think you could argue that PSG have actually got a better front line. Oh yeah, I I I, I think I'd agree with that. Um, I agree with you as well. I think it will come down to who does better defensively. Um, both forward lines are very good. Defensively, I'd probably say that City are actually more solid defensively than PSG are. But again, if they if they can get in behind with Neymar and Mbappe, Di Maria and whatnot, then City are bang in trouble. Um, lack of a number nine, I don't think it's going to affect their chances too much. They've done so well this season without really playing a number nine very often. So the answer to that, quite simply, is no. Um, I don't know if you've seen this. The, the squad size for the Euros has increased from 23 to 26. Does this mean the likes of Jude Bellingham will make the Euros with the increase of three-player squad size? It's a good question. Um, you know, a couple of episodes back when we did the, the the international week, I think we were debating a few players that are on the fringe, um, Jude Bellingham being one of them. Still questionable because I still think there's some players that are possibly in front of Jude Bellingham that might get the nod in front if the extra well there are going to be extra players involved 
Um, we've already discussed, you know, whether he takes an extra right back but plays him in midfield. I don't know. Um, certain, you know, whether we take another striker as well. I don't know. Um, interesting one. I mean, I, you know, Jude Bellingham's playing Champions League football for Borussia Dortmund, so it'd be foolish not to. Um, but yeah, I don't, I'm not. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the extra the extra three players in the in the extra three players added to the squad. I think that massively increases his chances if he wasn't already going to be going. I think that also increases the chances for Jesse Lingard to go because um, Southgate seems to really like him if he can keep his form up. I mean, I think it increases the opportunity for Jaden Sancho to go as well, which seems mad. But yeah, an extra three spots does open the door to a number of players that might have been on the fringes or just would have been missing out. So I think it is a is, is a plus. And it's also a big plus in terms of just having a few more options because you never know if someone's going to get injured in the tournament or in training or whatever. So, yeah, I think having the extra three, given the COVID season, if is it, a, is going to be a plus. If it came down to those three, um, Bellingham, Sancho and Lingard, who, who are you taking if it came down to those, those three? What, that, out of one of those? Yeah, for the last spot, let's say. I'll take Jaden Sancho because I think he just offers more. Yeah, I'd go Jesse Lingard just for the form. But fair. Okay, last one then. Um, well, uh, name the best. Name some of. Uh, I don't understand this question. Name some of the best ever sports teams of all time. I, I, don't, I don't really get that. Bit left field. Um, what? Oh, what are? The best ever sports teams of all time. Like, I mean, I, I don't really know. Um, Jesus. Um, I mean, it's a bit left field, that. Um, I'll go top of my head. I think Brazil 1970 World Cup. Remember the goal where they just passed it round and that that, that yeah. guy, I think it was Revelino, just smashed yeah. it bottom corner. Yeah, I think that's one of the best sides. I think if you're looking across other sports, New England Patriots with the, with the amount of Super Bowls they've won. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not a massive NFL fan. Yeah. Uh, you probably look at Michael Jordan's Chicago Bulls team that won like six NBA titles. Uh, that was pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't really think of too many others. I mean, if I think of, it's quite hard to think, think of them on the spot. If I think in football, to, if we just do football, then what? What? Who are your yeah. favourite all-time sides? Um, uh, I think we've mentioned it. Brazil, Brazil seventy. I think ninety-eight. Um, yeah, I, I was about to say that. I really enjoyed the French side of ninety-eight. Um, other teams. <clears throat> I think that's up there. I think Bayern Munich last season where they won everything. That's got to be one of the best teams. City in there? Mm, not quite yet because they're not won Champions League. Uh, oh, Peps, Peps, Peps Barcelona. That one where he, like 2011 or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, 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 that's just a few off, off the top of my head. But yeah, that's quite quite a. Uh, yeah, it's quite hard to that one on the spot, but yeah, I think there's there's been some out, there have been some outstanding sides across all sports, and there's been some great footballing sides as well. But yeah, that brings the questions to a wrap. So thanks very much for sending those in, and we look forward to receiving more ahead of next week's episode. George, yeah. anything to wrap up with? Yeah, the questions are getting better and better. So thank you so much for for bringing those in. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, we have got um, a very special guest. Um, coming on in between the two Real Madrid fixtures, so please stay tuned for that. Um, keep keep you know keep responding to our our polls that we put on Instagram and, and and like and share our stuff. We really appreciate it. 
uh, you know, we, we've loved it so far. It's grown. We're on episode 37, soon approaching the big five zero. And um, for all those Chelsea fans out there that it's getting closer and closer to kick off, get your shirt on, get a beer at hand, get the scarfs out, get ready. Semi-final of the Champions League, we're there again. So uh, that's it from me. That's it from Charlie. And thank you for another great episode of the Blues Brothers podcast. Thank you, guys. Thank you.